0: Okay, and we're live. Um, thank you so much uh, for joining us, everyone that's watching today. Welcome back to episode five of Redesign Growth. Uh, this is the podcast where we try to talk to enough people to see if we're able to demystify the relationship between product and growth. Uh, I'm very excited because today we have someone uh, that I'm very personally keen to talk to because uh, she, she runs a startup in the immigration uh, the immigration tech and legal, legal tech space. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Amelie. Emily. Um, Emily Thanks so much founder- for having
1: me. Yeah.
0: Great. Amelie <laughs> <laughs> is the founder and CEO of Formally, a legal tech startup focused on increasing access to justice through intelligent technology and accessible design. Amelie uh, is on a mission to build the future of legal tech a policymaker by training. She's passionate about using technology to solve hard challenges around access to justice. Uh, She serves as an advisor and a researcher around topics of legal technology, cybersecurity, and digital rights. Uh, So truly an esteemed company. Also, you'll notice that uh, we've had a co-host change. Uh, I want want everyone to say hi to my new co-founder, Shruti. She is... um, she is the co-founder of Trimata, and she'll be joining us on this interview. So um, to get started, uh, uh, you know, I Amelie, had, I had I had a chance to read out a little bit of your background, but can you, in your own words, tell us about your background and what inspired you to start formally, and just tell me about your journey.
1: Sure. Um, thanks again for having me, both Rit and Trudy. This is so fun. Um, my background is, like you said earlier, and I'm a policymaker by training, I did a lot of work um, sort of at this intersection of law policy and technology and how they interact. Um, At Stanford, I was really focused on digital rights, cybersecurity, access to justice. I also did a lot of research on AI and artificial intelligence intelligence and court systems and legal systems. So those are sort of things I'm interested in. Um, For formally specifically, I have also done a lot of work in immigration. So I did a lot of work with refugees and asylum seekers, both in the Middle East and Europe, but also at the US Mexican border, Um, I'm also an immigrant myself, so I came here from Austria to go to 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 school, and um, obviously came here as a really fortunate person who speaks English and had lots of resources, but still found U.S. immigration to be super challenging and super anxiety-inducing and confusing. So I think saw my own problem, but also saw this as a much, much larger problem. And when you look at the U.S. and how the U.S. ranks in terms of access to justice, I think it's even bigger than immigration, right? Just the US justice system is really, really difficult to navigate for the average person. So wanted to build a solution that tackles immigration first and then is also expandable into other areas of the law.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so I think, I think first of all, like pain felt and uh, just in this matter <laughs> yeah. alone, I think we're kindred spirits, right? Like I, I immigrated here from India and again, Fortunate, speak English, have resources, 100%. but still. Uh, no, like,
2: the- like right before this, I was like, Rit, do you need a one on one with Amelie afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah but uh you know had to prove that you're
2: an extraordinary alien right like which
1: is the funniest thing like Uh,
0: i got i got i got my green card and uh it's but still like you know the process is harrowing and there's this like sword of damocles of just deportation just hanging above your head and for the individuals right like it's 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 rough go uh but it's also like i think i think you're trying to with use use product like this this product in tech to solve like a problem that exists for individuals, but then it's also the company that sponsored totally. visas because, uh, like, as the CEO of Trimata, like we've we've sponsored work visas before, and that's difficult. And totally. and then for lawyers to like manage their cases, that's also a challenge. So, hundred uh, percent. My my first question for you is, when when you set out to build a product in this space, right? Given given how like how regulatorily dense it is, right? Like there's, yeah. there's like a lot of regulatory infrastructure. How do you even begin to find an inroad where you're like, hey, I can do this. Uh, Cause also like the market, like in terms of uh, like, you know, the people you're selling to, et cetera, like lawyers have to adhere to certain regulatory principles. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure there's some sort of framework in place for tech. So if you could educate all of us, just tell us 100%. a little more about how do you build product in a space that has
1: like a high degree of regulatory uh barriers. That's such a great question. Thanks so much for asking such a good question. Um so I mean I think first of all, like every time somebody hears regulation or compliance, like people kind of cringe. <laughs> it's like, no. oh. like please keep me away from that as far as possible. And to your point of like you know deportation, I've definitely been like worried about not wearing my bike helmet properly and like does that mean I'm gonna get deported or like my light doesn't work on my bike like that's technically illegal. So I think there's a lot of like, you know, day to day anxiety, but building a in a regular, like regulated space, I think for law specifically, the biggest risk is around what is called UPL, which is unauthorized practice of law. So you want to be really, really careful that you're not building a product that tries to provide actual legal services that only an attorney can provide. Right. So you want to stay really clear and really far away from giving anybody legal advice. Right. That's really heavily regulated. other than that, I think what you're going to find is that a lot of legal processes are to some extent formulaic. So maybe the analogy to uh, to use here is like most lawyers make light bulbs, right? They make like really functional like sources of light, right? Like a contract would be a light bulb. Um, and then there's very few areas of the law that are like super complicated. They're like chandeliers, right? So like an M&A, like merger and acquisition process might be a chandelier. And I think... Most people just need light bulbs, right? Most people don't need chandeliers. Mm -hmm. So I think it's about how do you get everybody access to really good light bulbs and, you know, really good basic access to like care and justice. And I think those processes tend to be much more codified. So going into this space, it's a hard space to go into. I'm not going to lie. Right. it's a a difficult product to build well. But as long as you steer clear from UPL and you take an ethical and thoughtful approach into... Uh, simplifying legal processes and you work like we do closely with lawyers who really want to help as many people as possible, then I think you can really tackle the access question in a really meaningful way.
2: And I, I kind of have a follow-up question on what you said, like building product in the lead- legal tech space is really difficult, right? So like, sure. can you talk about maybe a couple of like, ittery- Like you didn't wake up one day and brush your teeth and wait <laughs> <No. laughs> right? for hours Can yeah. you focus through like some iterations, maybe or maybe some product struggles that you experienced as you
1: came here. Totally. Um, I mean, the first, the first product was an asylum, so it was helping people apply for U.S. asylum, and I think there, it came from this like very specific insight where we like looked at the I-589, which is the form you have to fill out for asylum applications, and the first question asks you, check this box if you also want to apply for withholding of removal under the Convention Against Torture, and you're like. Ex- excuse me, what? <laughs> what does that mean? Like, do you understand what that means? Oh. So, like, the bar was kind of on the floor, right? We're like, we just need to, like, explain to people what this, like, what this stuff means so they can actually give... Uh, Good answers right good and true and like thoughtful answers to these like difficult questions so the very first thing we ever built was a form filler so it was literally just like a user interface over a form so Mm -hmm. there was no collaboration it was just like a form filler so that's the very first product we built and i think it's a little bit of a can of worms when you go into it further right like now we have to do really fancy things with like data structure and portable data and collaboration and task-based collaboration. And we have to right. like weave behavioral psychology into the product, but like we iterate on it every day and we are so um, so dedicated to being close to our users. So we have these really high touch betas. Um, so some of our law firms, we literally talk to every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same is also true for like companies and users. So I kind of jump on every opportunity I get to talk to more users to really understand like how do they interact with the product what are their pain points? How can we like redesign it to, you know, get it where it needs to be?
0: Right. Um, and and so I think I think also you know and, and we'll move. I promise we'll move away from regulation because I don't want anyone else to grin. <laughs> That's great. But, but like when <laughs> when you have right like when you have the regulatory framework like there's this ethos at least as a startup and, and definitely in the valley right mm-hmm. of hey I you know I, I move faster and break things right. Oh, uh, but, don't do but, that. I don't that think you really reason. I don't think you can really break things. Like I, or, or or the price of breaking things is pretty high when you're talking no, about you integration, integration that. Yeah. So um in terms of in terms of like iterating, et cetera, right? Like what what do you see as as like the North Star when you're conceptualizing like new features, et cetera? And then how do you how do you scale that out? Because like the you don't really have the luxury to like roll it out, see how it does. Pull it back if if it blows totally. up, right? Like because the consequences are pretty high, like the stakes are higher. So how do you, how do you do that?
1: Yeah, such a good question. Um, we have to be extremely intentional and careful about having checks and balances in place at every single step of the rollout, right? So what that means is that from day one, nobody ever used formally without the assistance of a bar licensed, credible attorney, right? So right. that's a really great way to ensure that everything that comes out of this product is double triple quadruple reviewed by an attorney who has tremendous experience and can actually provide legal advice right So right. I think that has helped us steer mm-hmm. clear from the ethics question a little bit further. Um, that being said, we still have to be um, really intentional at this point, right making sure that everything we roll out is safe is secure so That's why we bother with these really long betas. And that's why we make sure that um, we're not, sorry, somebody just opened the door here. I don't know what's happening, but um, wanted to make sure that we have intense betas where we get feedback all all the time. And we actually involve a lot of our beta clients in the design process itself. So it literally starts on Figma, right? It starts in the conversation, which then turns into a Figma frame. That Figma frame goes through a bunch of iterations. And then like, we finally ship it to dev. Um, and then even then you know it goes through iterations but it is a very iterative process for sure.
0: Um, so so that I, I, like I said, I promised we'd move away from regulation So moving away from regula- like <laughs> regulatory like the pressures of regulatory infrastructure right um, you have you have like three distinct, uh use cases or like three distinct like customer personas that you service you have like you know the companies that that are applying for visas for their workers right like you have the workers themselves are like they are the petitioner uh or or the petitioner i guess and then you have like your your, the the lawyers right and um the if you could if you could just just for the audience so we can kind of talk more specifically about products and stuff just tell us like as, as simply as possible like what uh, like, what are the specific pain points that formally solving for these people, yeah. and then, then we can kind of get into talk no. a little bit more about how you think about problem solving in general. Yeah,
1: no, that's such a good question. So, three stakeholders, we actually have to design out uh, three totally different dashboard experiences that are optimized for each person, like each stakeholder's needs. Right. So, as an individual, mm-hmm. what you crave going into U.S. immigration it's clear guidance. I need to understand my options. I need to understand what I need to provide, right? How much is it gonna cost? How long is it gonna take? What's my role in it? Is anything happening? Like, please like guide me through this as like, as thoughtfully and in as much detail as possible, right? So that's actually where we leverage behavioral psychology in a really cool way, right? Like we onboard everybody through this flow that allows us to customize their dashboard based on how they like to do work, right? So we ask you mm-hmm. like, are you somebody who powers through? Or are you somebody who likes to do one bit at a time? Are you somebody who knows a ton about immigration or are you completely new to the space? Mm-hmm. So we can actually adjust their dashboard and task experience based on their onboarding flow, which is kind of cool. So that's what they need is like clear guidance, transparency, visibility, like they wanna know everything's okay. Companies are like, You know, back to your like cringe and regulation companies, like, I really want to help my employee. I'm really busy. I don't really want to have to figure out all the nitty gritty details of how to sponsor a visa. And I don't want to figure out the regulatory thing. So like, give me the 30,000 foot view, like, let me know everything's okay. Give me high level tracking, right? Tell me what I need to do, if anything. But like, ideally, please leave me out of it. And like, also make sure that my employees don't send me questions because I can't answer them. Okay. right so that's sort of like the company stakeholder they want like high level tracking high level task management and they want this to be as easy it's like infrastructure like the best sort of like public infrastructure is like when you don't even know it's there right like public transit is so good you don't have to think about checking the schedule like that's i think the ideal experience for the company side and then for lawyers it's really for it's about optimizing for high impact legal work so Mm -hmm. thinking what are the things that only a lawyer can do you know and like right now there's a lot of talk about like chat GPT and AI, like taking lawyers jobs. I don't think that's true at all because what makes a lawyer a really good lawyer and the reason most people go to law school is to give people specific, like sound and specific advice based on their situation and to think creatively around Mm -hmm. how to frame a case, right? This is like very expert knowledge. So on the legal side, we have to optimize for high impact legal work, which means we have to get them everything else they need and do all the nudging, right? Like clients tend to be anxious when they go through the process. So again, back to managing that anxiety, anxious clients, procrastinate a lot. So we have to do a lot of nudging, right? We have to do a lot of like, please, please get this task done. So that's sort of how we think about the pain points. And that's how we manage them. But it is like, it is a build, like it's a big product to build, because you need to build these three different experiences that meet these different needs.
2: So so I'm curious, like, I think it was super helpful to give context on each of these personas. I I think you described it perfectly. I had an image in my head for each one. Um, I'm wondering, like, where do you go from here, right? So your product is where it is, like how are you continuing to serve these personas Um, and maybe like what's on your roadmap for you? Yeah. I mean, I
1: think this is a really great question because it allows me to sort of like show you the vision and the future with Formally. And I'm gonna say a lot of words right now, we'll unpack it, right? But Formally fundamentally is a like portable data product that is like has secure portable data with powerful workflows on top of it, right? Mm-hmm. And the H1B, for instance, would be a workflow. So you can imagine how once you have your data on Formally, whether you're a company and you have your company data on Formally, or you're an, like an individual and you have your personal PII on Formally, you can bring it with you from one employer to the next. You can use it for any subsequent processes, right? Like that tr- like data travels with you wherever you go. And when I look into the future of the world of like, how people care about privacy, how people care about security, I think that's going to be a huge use case. And if we dream about a world with Formally, you could imagine every bureaucratic process to live on a platform like that, right? Like going back to Shruti, you and I were hanging out during the SVB meltdown and the number of like onboarding form, like PDF onboarding forms I filled out with banks, you could easily imagine that kind of workflow to be on Formally and that data to just like seamlessly transition over to the bank that needs it. Um, that data has been verified and just like send it off right so i hope that lets you see it like fundamentally this is a structured data product more than it is like anything else
0: so like the immigration legal tech space is like your beachhead but then after that you're looking at just whenever i need to fill out a bunch of forms and like i'm dealing with some forms information
1: contracts right like whenever you need to work with someone so it's more similar to like You know, in the startup world, this might make sense to you, like Carta, right? Where you can sort of work with a lawyer and with your, like your investors are on there. Like any party can bring somebody onto Carta, Mm -hmm. but it's sort of like the dedicated workspace for that data. So think about that for more general legal information. Mm-hmm. So
0: so actually had uh, a, a question for you. So you have like these three distinct user, user bases and you're and you're essentially delivering three different experiences because like yeah. as as you said, right? Like you know, these these three u- personas are looking for different things on the platform. Um my question is now now like talking about like the relationship between like product and growth, right? How how do you how do you make money, right? Like who who is like, which of these personas is paying you? Is it is it all of them? Is it just some yes. of them? And and if, you know, like, do, and how does that impact, like, how you decide to build product, right? Like, because for us, right, like, we we have two distinct user bases. Like, yeah. at Trimata, we have our customers and then we have our testers, like, that go and test, et cetera. So, like, we, like, our testers are our greatest asset. So we have to, like, give them a lot of love, like, give them a lot of care, et cetera, mm-hmm. because they, they are the back, like, they are the, the vehicle through which like we are able to deliver like user research to our customers, right? So like our customers pay us, but our testers allow us to provide the service and that's sort of our setup. So we need to think about growth in terms of like, hey, can, can, like, the easier we make test facilitation, the more testers we get, the more testers we get, the more kinds of tests we can facilitate right. and so on and so forth, right? And, and so it, for, your, for your distinct personas, like where, where do you make money from? And how do you think about growth, right? And then, then like so, that idea of like revenue growth—how does that telescope back to how you prioritize what you build?
1: Totally. Um, so we're a B two B company. We don't charge individuals. So we mm-hmm. sell to law firms and we sell to companies, um, and they like pay subscription fees um, mm-hmm. to use the platform. Growth question is a really interesting one because it kind of comes back to that example that I was just mentioning around, like Carta, right, like different people being able to pull each other onto the platform. Mm -hmm. So once a lot of people, and this is interesting, once a lot of people already use Formally and have like their immigration data on Formally, you could see how they can start pulling other stakeholders on there, right? Like, oh, law firm, are you using this? Or like, Mm -hmm. you know, company, are you using this? Law firms have both company and individual clients, right? So they distributed like that. So there's a really powerful flywheel effect. And I think Mm -hmm. what we're working on right now is really deeply understanding these dynamics and who has the strongest pull on which like other stakeholder. So the current working hypothesis is that companies have a really strong pull for individuals and law firms, right? Because law firms have them as customers and individuals. Like if you hire somebody and you tell them, hey, we're using formally for immigration, I cannot imagine your employee being like, nah, sorry, (laughs) like not going to use it. Um, And then individuals have actually a strong pull at scale, right? So mm-hmm. once enough people have their data on formally, their immigration information on formally, you could start to see how that's going to pull the others onto the platform. So this is going to be a really cool like, thing to continue like keeping an eye on, but that's how we think about sort of exponential growth is that these parties can start to pull each other onto the platform.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and do you, do you ever find that there's trade-offs, right? Like, because... Um again as a startup like you know I, i'm sure this this rings true for for everyone that's a startup like you know there's like 100 things we want to do and oh my we have like a bandwidth to do like three and we have to like constantly choose what three things that we need to do All right and uh so i'm i'm curious like did you um have you have you noticed that hey there's like distinct trade offs where you're like okay look like we know we need we, like we we need to like compromise these two things on the individual mm-hmm. experience so that we can urgently deliver Right, uh, something for like our B two B like company interface use case, and and like, is that is that a trade off that, like I guess like what 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 kind of decision making matrix do you have, right? Like without presuming too much about like how you make your decisions, like what like when when you're faced with something like that, how how do you decide?
1: Yeah, so there's an interesting dynamic here too, which is when individuals have a good experience on the platform the Mm -hmm. other two stakeholders tend to have a pretty good experience on the platform too. Okay. And the reason is that the main goal for the company is to get it done. And the main goal for the law firm is to get all the information they need so they can do their legal work. Right. Right. So when the individual does all their tasks on formally and completes all their information, HR gets fewer questions. Legal has to do less pinging, right? They have to send fewer follow-up emails, Mm -hmm. answer fewer questions, so it, it sort of has an interesting effects on like on the other stakeholders. That being said, we do have to make trade-offs. Um, and I think the way to think about it is like how critical is this feature? Um, interesting, like I think in legal tech, especially a lot of platforms just build everything. Um, they like have billing and CRM and like, um, like forms and like there's everything on the platform. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we take that approach, right? We're like, right. what are we really good at? And like, which part can we really deliver on that is different from the other providers? And then for the other aspects, we either you know guide people through that to another platform or we look for integrations. So I think we, we try to be super disciplined about what do we actually need to build that will provide a magical user experience and how do we find those magic moments and really build on those magic moments, right? So for law firms, for instance, It's a magic moment when instead of having to onboard somebody by like sitting on a call walking them through sending them emails sending them a documents folder putting them into the crm putting them into the case management system following up with them assigning them like there's a whole huge thing they have to do right now if they're on the platform they literally enter the name the email and the case type and we onboard that person
2: right Yeah.
1: That's magical, right? That's a magic moment. Like you yeah. didn't have to send a single email, you didn't have to do a single thing. You like entered three pieces of information and we took care of it. And that that cl- like case is not a problem for you until they actually have completed the tasks that you need to do your right. high impact legal work.
2: Do do you have like any to anyone listening here who is trying to also build product and serve multiple personas? Like, do you have any advice um based on I don't know, things you may have learned so far? Yeah.
1: I mean, I think like really listening through what people say they want is a really important skill, I feel like, right? Like people say like, I want this, 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 and this, but then they behave in a different way. Mm-hmm. So getting really good at asking follow-up questions, again, being super close to your customers, seeing how they behave, right? Like how are they actually behaving on the platform versus what are they saying, right? Like people told us we really want billing. And I don't actually think that's true because I don't think billing is the biggest pain point right now. So we were like, okay, I think we can like put billing further down on our stack ranking. Mm, Beautiful, right? Didn't have to build the billing infrastructure. So I think my advice would be to like, listen a little bit between the lines and like watch out for behavior before you jump onto like new feature requests really like immediately. Mm
0: Um, and and so something that was really interesting to me that that you said about um, like you know the the individuals right like if the if the individuals are happy uh, the emergent phenomenon is like you know the companies and and the legal firms are happy um, so around that do you do you go ahead to like build like essentially like a, a, a like a product success model that's centered around like the the time to task for like individual happiness, like you know, like the, the like the the person that is the applicant themselves, right? Like, do you do like is that is that your north star where you're like, hey, like we are laser focused on making sure it's super easy for Rith to get all of his immigration yeah. data in there, and and we know yeah. that if we do this, every feature has got to move the needle on reducing Rith's time to fin- finishing up his like whatever, like you know, his data. Yeah. Essentially, right, um, and and I I think like I would I would be really keen to hear like how how do you define uh, product success? Like, is it measured as viscerally, or how do you, how do you know when something's working or something's not?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard. You know, we're still an early stage company, so I think like yeah. those metrics candidly will evolve. But you mm-hmm. know, those are things that we're looking for, right? It's like how how good was right at getting all this data into this platform right like how fast did he complete it like how many times how many takes did it like take what was his experience like what he recommended like did the lawyers tell us they had a good experience like right like you sort of have to like listen for that qualitative feedback but i think especially at scale having really strong metrics is absolutely critical right so i think then we're going to look for things like how much time did the lawyers spend on the case right like how hard was that like many tasks that they have to do on a different platform right like how many Mm. times that they move off of formally and over to email to do something right so there's like interesting things you can measure um so yeah i mean i think we're we're gonna like keep iterating even on the metrics right as we see sort of which metric is most telling um but those are like those are the things to look for
0: absolutely i mean i i think i think you're hitting on something like that's you know, th- this kind of came up in uh, episode two. We spoke with Rob Asseran. He's like an old guard in the research world, right? And and you have people that are, uh, you, you know, they, they have like whole research teams, like dedicated right. to research and measurement and things like that, right? And and uh, but but it, like our first episode, Tim and I had a conversation uh, about just how like it's not possible, right? Like if you're if you're a startup, an early stage startup. You don't your first your first key hires is not a research team, right? Like that's not that like that's not even in like your second set of. That's key not hires even a thought try, that crosses mind. Like,
1: like, <laughs> so, but,
0: but there is uh, like notionally the sense of like, hey, I want to build products that move, like you know, that essentially like move me towards my end goal. And i right. and I think what's interesting is, uh, you know, with an early stage company, like you, you have a sense of. Hey, like I, like, you know, I would like to be measuring all of these things, but I don't have the luxury to, and that's fine. But I still am able to make decisions uh, right. because um, I, I, I am, I am able to sort of simplify maybe like, instead of having like a super complex matrix of like numbers that I constitute for my customer success, I have like a more simple one, but I, I need to, I need to create that. So if, if you could tell me like, just um, generally, right? Like, for you, success like a successful formally product is doing blank, right? What like if you are like, hey, I've I have changed my I've added this feature, it is successful if blank. And then like what what is that? What what is that? That one Yeah.
1: Thing. yeah. Um, so I it has evolved again is the, the the answer here, right? Like um at the beginning, for instance, or like earlier one of our biggest metrics like we knew that the platform would be more successful and this is actually interesting because this is not a customer metric this is an internal metric but Mm -hmm. um we knew that the product would be used more if we had more types of visas available right so an internal metric was like speed of development to add each new process um and like we went really often on that you know we're like if we can like and, and it's cool because we shrunk like I think the first 01A process took us like close to three months. And then the last visa type we built took us three days. Right. So that's pretty cool. Like to see sort of like how that metric has evolved. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was for like the dev stage, like the very early, like, can we actually get users on the platform? I think like, like you said, now I think the metrics are going to be much more on the legal stakeholder side, like how much time do you spend on the case on formally versus a case off platform? Right. Right. It's still challenging because law firms don't always have good data on that. And when I, when I say, like, not always, like, often they don't.
2: Right. So
1: it's hard to establish a baseline. Um, so we're working really hard with them right now to, like, establish a good baseline so that we can have really good metrics around that. Um, but I think the other metrics that I mentioned, right, like, how fast did an individual complete their information? How long did it take them to sort of, like, get through the initial onboarding flow? Um, how quickly did it move through the attorney's pipeline and their we're already seeing some really encouraging trends, right? Where a lot of times when, and I don't know if you experience this actually, right? Like when I worked with an immigration attorney, I think I was inactive and I'm not joking mm. for like 17 months because wow. I was just like, I don't know where to get started. Like, this is good stuff. I don't actually know where I'm supposed to get started. And then every right. time like I mustered the sort of like motivation to finally try to spend time on my immigration case, I was like, I have no idea where to start and I'm already confused. Mm. So that's actually one insight that led to us building the like how much time do you have today? Like task helper. So right. I was like, I want to help you get something done, even if you only have 10 minutes.
2: Okay. Interesting. Awesome. So
1: like interesting yeah. like insights in the product.
2: Yeah. I really like that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so like just, just thinking about like general like like moving away from from like product specifics to talk about like general sentiments uh as an entrepreneur right like i can tell you like at like as ceo like i've had for me personally like a metric like hey i this is what i want to get done or fix like this week or or like next week or or like this month right i and um sometimes that stuff is just completely orthogonal to the product right like it's like it's not yeah. even product related right it's it's like hey i need to I mean, in fact, just recently, we are the co-working space we're in is dissolving. So I'm like out looking for a new co-working
1: space. Uh,
0: so you know, and, and this is this you know it takes time out of my day. And and uh, wait, are you
1: saying that it's not always glamorous to be an early stage startup CEO?
0: Oh, <laughs> you have to like
1: deal with the stuff that like nobody else wants to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know,
0: my, my favorite joke is they're like, "Oh man, like how do you, how do you get CEO?" And I'm like, "Oh, you just 45 bucks. That's what it costs to file in Delaware." <laughs> Like, you know, it's, it's easiest, easiest damn job I've ever gotten in my life. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs>
1: um, How, easy to get, hard to keep maybe. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Uh, but, but so, you know, as a, as an entrepreneur, right. Like, especially as like a founder, like you have, you have to like think about product. And like, I, I love, I love working on product. Like I, I, I'm like very passionate about the product we built, but sometimes I feel like I love it so much that I spend too much time thinking about that as opposed to like dealing with other stuff, right? Yeah. And um, for like, how, how do you, and, and for me, like my, I found balance of like, okay, I found other people that are able to like, you know, that are able to lift, like lift the load on product, et cetera. So that, and that, that lets me focus on other things. Like someone that does product better than me allows me to go and work on something else, right? Like, and and like for you, how have you noticed sort of your involvement, like day-to-day involvement with the product change? Like, cause early days I'm sure it was like really high. And, but now like, you know, you're also getting into like managing your customers, et cetera, like how, how does your involvement with the product evolve, right, a, as you grow?
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah, That's a good question. So I think it depends what kind of CEO you want to be, whether you are a really product focused CEO or whether you're a really like financial CEO, for instance, right? Like those mm-hmm. are like two, I think two types I see a lot, right? Like one of mm-hmm. is like super business strategy and finance driven and then other people who are really product driven. Um, my general attitude towards hiring is that I'm constantly hiring people who are way better at something than I am. Again, <laughs> to yeah. like, like yeah. my job is to constantly know, like hire people who know something way better, who have way more experience on something. Um, so I I think it requires a lot of self-awareness, right? Do you need to like yeah. know, like, what are you actually good at? What are you not so good at? Um I love doing, I'm like, also, what do you like to do? And what do you not like to do, right? Yeah. Like, what feels like it drains you and what feels like it gives you energy. So, What is that for
2: you, by the way? I
1: think product is a big thing that gives me energy, right? And like high, like high touch relationships with customers okay. give me, I think the most energy, right? So hearing from them like about their problems, about their struggles, like I'll sign up any day to yeah. talk to more customers, right? I'll take mm-hmm. any customer meeting I can get. Um, Accounting, for instance, is not something I enjoy doing not very much. No. So, I know, I, don't. I know. So we <laughs> hired an accountant, you know, and that's great. Yeah. <laughs> like, love having an accountant. <laughs> Best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> so like being self-aware. Oh, also like cold outreach kind of drains me, too. Right. So like I systematically teach somebody else on how to like, you know, help us build the list for cold outreach and how to do it. Um, I love products. so I'm still really involved with it is really the truth. And I think it's because I really, I get, I'm so obsessed with this problem. Yeah. yeah. I'm like a problem obsessed CEO as well. Right. I'm like, right. <laughs> I don't actually care so much like what our product does, as long as it finally fixes this messy, messy, messy problem that people experience with like immigration and like law overall. Mm-hmm. So I think the product can like take any shape it needs to take as long as it's solving the problem. So maybe because I'm so attached to this problem and like, so personally like invested, I want to be really close to the product because that's like building the solution and to get a layer deeper, I'm a policymaker. So I'm really good at like identifying problems yeah. and it's so fun to build solutions. Oh my God. Nice. <laughs> like usually you're Like there's this giant problem, right? Like a beautiful policy problem is like world hunger. And you're like, yeah Let's go. that's a big
2: problem mm-hmm. and know, a i get that, I get that energy from you amelie like i feel like i feel like i'll tell you about my day and you're like here's like six solutions truthy go at it
1: <laughs> like, so, yeah. go go go, go. <laughs> wow. um so i don't know that's maybe maybe that comes from like being a policymaker and being like yep this is a problem it, we can try to fix it over the next 20 years maybe mm-hmm. and you're like wow that's a long time, I need some things to change faster than that.
0: So uh, I, I actually have a, a, a question for you, just be, based on two things that uh, you said that I, I find pretty interesting, right? Like you you said you like to have like a high high degree of like customer, customer conversations. And I think this is like a, a vital trait, right? Like for early stage companies, because you're like trying to understand your customer, you're trying to understand your customer's needs, so on and so forth. Um, uh, and then also, like you know, you told us the story about how, like you know, everyone was talking about billing as being critical, but you you had like you know the wherewithal to like step back, and the, even though that was like the customer requests, right? Be like, nah, this this comes way further down the totem pole, and uh, I think I think there therein lies like something like really powerful uh, because it's 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 sometimes tempting right like when 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 a customer is like dude your product and there'll always be one customer your product is lacking this or like dude, you, this is this has got to be like the worst thing I have ever used right or something <laughs> of that nature like it's it, like for, for like it's anecdotal but it's so powerful in that moment you're like it, it you're like I need to act right like I, I need to like fix this. Uh, right. And, and there's this, there's, there's this sense of that. And it's not necessary. Like you need to give yourself pause and step back and be like, okay, like I, like, it's not the customer's frustration is invalid, but is just building the product they're asking me to build. Like, is that always the solution? Right. Yeah. And, and like, how, how do you decide? Like, so, so tell me like in that thing where you were like, Hey, like, people are asking for billing but I, I intentionally deprioritize it like what like what what was it that made you do that because because it, 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 like on the face of it it might be like hey this is what your customers are asking for right you should build this but like it actually there's wisdom in not doing that and I, I want to know like how, how you and I done that.
1: yeah couple of thoughts here. One is I try to immediately with all customers set a really clear expectation. That any feedback they give me any negative feedback is a huge gift mm-hmm. right i'm like i promise you i will not be offended actually i will send you flowers like <laughs> i am so excited for you to tell me why my product is trash because mm-hmm. you're you you know it and i don't really know it right and like those insights that come from like oh my god i tried it and i just like i couldn't figure out how to do this on the platform oh my God, piece of gold. They don't even know how to articulate their frustration yet. They just know they're frustrated. And then you can like really dig in. Yeah. And that I think establishes a pr- like a pretty great relationship where they're going to be really honest with you. Like why something isn't working. And that leads, I think, to part two. Because <coughs> I'm like, it's yeah. pretty easy to tell when you ask somebody like, like, well, why do you want billing? And they say like, <coughs> well, because other platforms have it too. And you're like, okay, like, you know, what's not working about it? And it's like, yeah, I guess it's fine. Yeah, But like, I would like it to be on the platform too. And you're like, okay. So like, you know, you, you say you want that, but like, I don't actually, like if you have a really clear answer about like how you do it right now mm-hmm. and it's not hugely, tremendously, insanely painful, then I think we can move on, you know? Like uh, you can still validate that. You can be like, great. Like we'll put it on our roadmap. Like you can still be validating in that moment. But yeah. if there's no, like if they have a really good workaround, I feel comfortable putting that further down um mm-hmm. rather than when they're like yeah like look i've looked everywhere and i just i just can't figure it out like the best problems i think is building solutions for things where like i just i just can't figure out why this is a problem and like how i how i should solve it and one right. of those things is customer onboarding right
2: they're right. like
1: i don't know how to make my clients move their cases along like i've tried everything i've called them like I i've sent them like aggressive emails i've sent them nice emails right like I just don't know how to like overcome yeah. that. So that's, I think, a juicy product problem to like build for. Yeah. Whereas like, oh, I want billing because like everyone else has it, I think is a way weaker reason to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I,
0: I, I think, I think that's, I mean, that's a solid nugget, right? Like, cause there's like the, the problem that's worth solving is not like, hey like, it's not like like, Hey, like just get billing done because like, you know, that's hey I, do. We just, we've come to expect legal platforms to have. billing right. right. Like it's, it's just not as like compelling as, Hey, like I have like a problem, like a product problem
1: right. to solve.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. And I appreciate like how transparent you are about this is my strength. Like I know we don't have billing today, but like, this is why, this is what we're actually solving and here's how I'm going to help you still. Right? Um, right. And I think that yeah. makes all the difference.
0: Um, um, so, so it, and and I have I have like a, a question for you right like there, I mean just just like with like companies like law firms that come in various sizes right like and uh, and their ability to sort of take on a platform there, there would be like a sense sense of an enterprise customer even in legal tech and and like a non enterprise sure. customer right um, I'm, I'm I'm curious right like because because when when we when uh, when we started selling like our what what was our usability testing product and now we're selling both the product analytics and Mm. usability testing products um the the more upstream you go right there's like the the enterprises sort of make the procurement process more and more clinical right and then there's aspects of the like uh like of the product and it could be something like you know sso through okta or or it could be uh you know it could be Oh, we need we need like these five types of testing or whatever it is. Like it, there's just this sense of like, hey, it's table stakes, and our decision is very binary, like yes or no. Like you have these things. If you do, then we'll talk to you and understand how they work. If you don't have these things, don't even talk to us, right? And and like that's and that's always been like there's this barrier to entry of enterprise, and it starts feeling like a lot of these features are table stakes. Uh, yeah. To to even like play in those pools, and um, I'm I'm, I'm curious, like, do you, so for. For formally, right where you like hey this is okay we're going after law firms but even after law firms and companies we're going like we're targeting like this size like how did you refine like your customer segment and 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 how much of that was because you're like hey this product value resonates for firms this size but it gets obfuscated once you get larger and larger
1: it just depends on like how how in pain they are i don't know there's like a there's no better way to put it right but like hard like if they're like yeah my solution's fine they're gonna ask all sorts of bells and whistles They're like no 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 no!" like we are suffering and if you can alleviate our suffering <laughs> like we're on board then you can usually yeah. negotiate everything else right like we get hit with like security requirements for instance like right you know we have to fill out like so funny it's called it's called a cake it has nothing to do with cake it's not cute it's not tasty it's like a no. 300 question security questionnaire, like designed for like cloud hosts, right? It's like designed for like people like Google Cloud who have like 27 people teams who fill those out. So we got hit with one of those and you're like, oh my God. But what we just did with the customers, we had a really honest conversation, you know? We're like, this is how we're gonna take care of your data. This is how we're like, you know, doing it. This is our plan for like getting there. And like customers that feel current pain with their existing solutions are usually quite willing to like go through it, right? And if something really is like critical, right? Like, I, I would say, like, basic security, for instance, is absolutely critical for us, then we'll like put the effort into actually building that into the product. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, the customers that really need a solution usually are quite quite willing to adopt something that doesn't have everything they've ever imagined and dreamed of, but um, solves the core need. Right. I,
2: uh, I have like more of a personal question, if that's okay. Um, I wanted to ask you, like, how do you like balance it all almost like how do you stay? two questions right like how do you stay motivated because you talked a lot about the iterations that you've gone through and sounds like you've hit failure you failed fast how do you mentally manage that right for Mm -hmm. anyone else who wants to go and build product um and then how do you find balance in your life because you are a problem solver it's loud and clear and (laughs) I feel like you dream about formally like that <laughs> for sure every day.
1: Sometimes they're like beautiful, beautiful like dreams and sometimes yeah like, oh, when you're sleeping yeah
2: <laughs> So wanted to get more clarity there.
1: I think it's about having like really clear like North Star um, like North Star metrics almost for yourself, right? Like what do you really what do you really care about? and then optimizing the like everything else around that although i'm kind of skeptical of over optimization which i know is a big thing in silicon valley but i think i'm like back to like the question earlier right like i think i'm really obsessed with the problem so as long as i'm working towards solving this really meaningful problem i think i have the like sense of purpose and the sense of meaning which is really important to me and then i think on the other hand i'm somebody who's like insanely curious and insatiable when it comes to learning like there's no better way to pull like put it right so as long as i'm in a role where i'm like constantly growing and learning new things and i i can guarantee you those can be like fun things to learn or they can be painful things to learn right but like you're growing and you're learning new things perfect right like a ceo you have to do everything so you have to touch product you have to touch finance you have to touch fundraising like end management uh marketing right like And that gives me so much energy. So even when something like, you know, SVB meltdown happens, I'm like, wow, like now I know a lot about my banks. (laughs) Like now I understand a lot around like, (laughs) you know, insurance and like how to manage my money and crisis management. And I also know a lot about banking, like wire deadlines and how to make it through customer service. Right. And like, if you take the world with that, like outlook, I think like it's much easier to manage everything else right because every time you're like I learned something yeah and if that's something you care about as much as I do then like I think you're pretty good most of the time um and like you know I also believe that I need to take care of me to some extent to be a good leader for everyone else because I see myself as a heat shield right like I my job again is to like hire people who are better at like something than I am and my job is to protect them and make sure that they can do their job yeah right right so that means like i'm the person who's gonna do the late night shifts right i'm gonna be the person who feels the customer calls when no one else is available like i'm gonna like make sure i'm like good shield but like i need to take care of the shield
2: because otherwise it's
1: gonna get rusty and it's gonna be like dingy and it's not gonna like shield any heat so of course you know i need to like make sure i maintain the shield so yeah, I don't know. I do things like hang out with you, Shrutie. <laughs> I do things that like bring me outsized amounts of joy. Like mm-hmm. I work out at five a.m. because that's when I like to work out, you know. But yeah. like, whatever. Like you just carve out those things that like help you maintain your sense of uh, well-being as well.
2: Yeah. Awesome.
0: I mean, that, I think I think like you know the, the the idea of like a heat shield, like you know that you're you're you are like the like. You know, not 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 parental figure, but but like you know, you you are the protector, like you're the champion of your team, and and like you want to make sure that everyone in your team is performing well. Like you're you're gonna hold their feet to the fire, like internally, but externally, you're like, hey, I'm I'm here to bat. Like we 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 keep always forward, and I think I think that's a solid solid ethos. Um, I think I think we're nearing the end of our time. So what I'd love to do is is just generally like looking forward right like as like as as you scale out formally like formally as a business and then also uh the 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 product itself right do you have any aspirations like near term like you're like hey if this is this is like the next big product initiative that Mm -hmm. i'm excited about or like this is what we're all galvanizing towards right do you have a sense of of what that is and if, if if you're comfortable would you like to share it with us
1: Sure. Um, so I mean, we still are in private beta. So the Mm -hmm. next big thing is to come out of private beta and launch publicly and have a publicly available product. So that's really exciting. And then we're also cooking up some other exciting things. Um, So like stay tuned, Um, there might be a, a big announcement of like a totally like new sort of spin on the product that's coming out soon that may have to do with a, you know, very powerful, recent trend. <laughs> say.
0: What could you be talking about? <laughs> I wonder.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
1: uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> How uh, do
2: people stay tuned? Like what's a good way to keep in touch with you? Okay,
1: I hate to say this, but, like, LinkedIn is literally my only social (laughs) media. (laughs) All right, all right. It's (laughs) a great place to be. Like, I wish I were joking right now, but I do still, Shruti, have you seen this? I have my, like, LinkedIn QR code as my background (laughs) on my phone. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> that, um, that's what I'm going to
2: do after this call, actually. I'm not joking.
1: <laughs> it's like, I, I used to be my conference background, and now it's just my real background. And it? I once lost my phone, and somebody, like, found me because they scanned it, and I was like, it's no <laughs> it's meant to be. So that's it, awesome. This was, just, like, at the Forbes 30 and the 30 party. Like, I, like, dropped my phone in the puddle, <laughs> and somebody found it, and it was like, oh, yeah, I scanned your QR code. That's, that's too funny. funny. Oh, beautiful. <laughs>
0: um so yeah. i i think i think we're just about the end of our time uh cool. amelie thank you so so much for joining us thank today it's been an all- excellent conversation i think there's been so like amazing takeaways right like just for the people watching for for me for, for the like it's it's been it's been lo- really valuable for us to have you on uh we'd love to have you on again like uh at a later stage to to just you know do 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 a checkup and see how how things have evolved uh but right before you go, is there anything you'd want the people at home to know anything you'd like to plug or 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 just tell the people what you got going on?
1: I always tell people to start more companies, you know I think again like there's so much to learn like uh uh-huh to do it. Um and if I can help like get in touch. Yeah. And join us up for happy
2: hour, right? Is there, is oh my like- God. Yeah. yeah.
1: truthy is the best person. She let me like, you know, like critique your slides for like your pitch. That was like yeah. our biggest bonding moment, which like says a lot about truthy and, you know, how oh, sure. <laughs> how amazing of a leader she is. So- yeah you are too yeah. thank you for being here seriously so, it's been so, so fun. much fun thank you all
0: right awesome. thank you so I'll much for you your also. time have a nice day and thank you everyone for tuning in to the design growth we'll be back again next week um,
1: sounds good bye, bye.